This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. Today, my guest is Emily McKay. She's a professional runner for New Balance. She's a member of Team New Balance Boston. She's a five-time NCAA All-American, and she's recently had a bunch of breakout races. She PR'd in the 3K this indoor season and was third at U.S. Indoors in the 3K. She also ran the 1500 and broke 430 in the mile ran a 426, which was a five-second PR. In this episode, we talk about her untraditional path to where she is now, running at a smaller school, and now training at altitude with some of the best in the country. I really enjoyed getting to know Emily, and I know you will too. Okay. I am so excited to be in Boston for Marathon Weekend. Best of luck to everybody who is running, and I hope to see many of you there. I wanted to let you all know that I will be hosting a panel with Destination Marathons in Cambridge. Sounds far, it's not far. It's literally two miles from Copley Square. And on that panel, I'll be joined by Wesley Career, Steph Bruce, Molly Huddle, and Dakota Lindworm. It is gonna be such an awesome event and it'll be about an hour on the panel and then a social hour afterwards as well. So it's at 4 p.m. on Saturday at the Marriott in Cambridge. And if you want to learn more, make sure you're following me on Instagram, lindsayhines626, because I'll be posting more details there. Um, You can also join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, and all the details will be posted there as well. So save the date, mark your calendar, 4 p.m. on Saturday. I know there's a lot going on that weekend, but we would love to have you there. Steph, Bruce, and Molly Huddle will both have their books as well on site if you'd like to purchase one. Um, All right, friends, I hope to see you in Boston. All right, friends, this episode is supported by Koala Clip, which if you know me, you know that I've been using the Koala Clip for quite some time. It is the best way to bring your phone along with you on the go when you're out for a run, on a bike ride, whatever it is you're doing. It keeps it protected and it doesn't bounce around. You just clip it to the back of your sports bra and there you go. I usually put my ID and a couple dollars in there as well. You can even fit your key in there if you drove to the location you are going. Koala Clip was founded by Christina and she had a dream to make it easier to carry your phone on the go and she made that happen. They also have really awesome sports bras. The Ren sports bra is my favorite and they have some cute apparel as well. Go to koalaclip.com and use the code another for 10% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Emily. All right. Well, today on I'll Have Another, we have Emily McKay on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Are you taking a little, little downtime? Um, so today was actually my first workout back. Um, I took a down week last week after USA's, um, and just got back into it today with a 20 minute tempo. So I'm excited to be back doing workouts for sure. I get a little antsy. Yeah. What was the week off? Like, did you, were you running every day, just running super casually? Um, not every day. So I took a couple days off. Um, and then I was running like 30 to 40 minutes, And then I did a mini long run on Sunday. Uh, I took Saturday off too. So my days off were kind of like sporadic, just whatever days, like I was busy or I didn't want to take three days off in the beginning of the week. Cause I feel like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is such a boring time to have off. I wanted to have at least one weekend Uh, day. uh So that's why I like spread them out. And I just kind of did whatever I felt like last week running wise. And it was definitely a good, like mental and physical break. Yeah. What's that like now that you're running pro and, and, and does your coach just say like, Hey, like just take a down week, do what feels good. And then we'll get back, back in the saddle on Monday. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. He just said to take a few days off and didn't quite tell me how much I should be running, but I just assumed like he's back into it. So 
he's very lenient. He kind of lets us like use our best judgment. He doesn't, he's not very like very rigid. He doesn't tell us exactly what we need to be doing every day because we, we know, you know, for the most part, obviously he gives us our workouts and like a general idea. And if I ever have questions, I just, I just ask. So. So Emily recently joined team new balance Boston. And so I'm sure that that played a big part too. in like trying to decide where you wanted to go, who you wanted to coach you. So fresh out of college, your first year pro, how did you make those decisions on joining that team and choosing what coach to work with? Yeah, I had my eyes on team new balance Boston. Um, for, I guess like the past year, I just saw how well, you know, everyone on the team was doing. Um, and so that really caught my eye and I like that it's on the East coast. It's only about a five hour drive from Binghamton, New York, which is where I'm from. And I went to college and all that. So I knew I didn't want to go super far away if possible. Uh, I was open to whatever, but um, I just thought it would be the most realistic and the most comfortable to stay a little bit closer to home. And yeah, I really enjoyed my visit with the team. I liked everyone on the team and coach Mark and I seemed to really click and he, I really like his coaching style. He um, definitely just like made me feel comfortable in that I would have a smooth transition. Um, he didn't seem like a super intense coach. And that is exactly what I was looking for. Someone who is a little bit more laid back, relaxed, and would let me have a life outside of running. I really didn't want to go somewhere where I felt like running was absolutely everything. And I wasn't allowed to, you know, coach if I wanted to, or get a part-time job, or, you know, I wanted to have some freedom to pursue whatever it is that I feel like doing. Cause I don't want running to be everything. I want to have a life outside of that as well. Yeah. It sounds like you're entering into this with a pretty healthy perspective and, you know, it's kind of exciting to watch. You have this like fresh new plate in front of you to, to really do with it what you want and go all in, but also have these other facets of your life so that you don't get burnt out. Like, it sounds like you're really thinking through these things right at the start, which is super important because we've seen so many athletes whether it's the beginning of college or the beginning of professional running, get burnt out because they just go all in and, and there's mm -hmm. no, I guess, balance is the right word. I know that's kind of an overused word, but there's no balance there. No, exactly. Like, I think it's super important to focus on having longevity in the sport. I don't want to do too much too soon. Um, I want to have like a gradual, like progression. Obviously there's going to be ups and downs, but I want to have like a general upward trend and I want to be running. I mean, I hope to be running for 10 plus more years. You know, I don't want it to just be a few years and then I'm mentally burnt out. Um, I want to, um, continue to run as for as long as possible because it is what I love to do. And I don't want to lose my joy in it from making it feel too, too much like a job. Like it is my job and I am, I am all in, in a sense, but at the same time, like I need to make sure that I am happy outside of running and I have other things so that just in case something does happen too, I want to have something else to fall back on. Um, I don't, and I don't want to feel like lost without running. Mm. If, if, if I were to ever, you know, get injured or something comes up, I want to feel like I have security in my life outside of just running. See friends listening, everybody needs to listen to that because even, <laughs> even us casual runners, our identity gets so wrapped up in it that when we get injured or something comes up, it's like, who am I? What do I do now? And I always mm -hmm. say when that happens, find a hobby, like find something that gets you really excited that can take up the time that running was taking up while you're, you know, recovering from this injury or whatever. So that's so smart that you're going into it like that. I imagine it could be kind of hard though, when, you know, you just had some really good races, you placed third at indoors in the three K seven, seventh in the 1500. And you're running against people have been pro who have been pros for a little while, you know, like you're, mm -hmm. you're kind of the newbie out there. So how do you handle a success like that? So early on in your career to make sure you're like, okay, you know, this was good, but I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. It definitely, it gets me really excited for the future and the potential that 
I, I think that I have that is there. Um, it's, it's hard to not get too excited and try to do too much too soon. I, I feel like I had a smooth transition, but it was like for a little while there, I feel like I was kind of like really pushing it. Like I was on the line. I think I didn't cross it, but I, I think I got really lucky that I didn't cross it, you know, cause it was, it was a difficult transition, but it went, it was as hard as it could have been without it being bad. Mm. Um, and so, and I learned a lot about myself in that time as a runner, like how much I can handle without having to, and then like taking a step back when I need to take a step back. Um, I think that if I didn't take a step back when I did, and by a step back, I mean like just taking workouts a little bit easier because I was hammering every workout. Mm. Like I need to take a step back because I'm not recovering. Um, and I'm starting to feel really tired and, and irritable and just not enjoying life outside of running. So I took a step back and took the rest that I needed and then was able to progress. And that's what made the transition smooth. I think if I didn't do that, I would have gotten injured. Something would have happened and I wouldn't have had fun with it. Um, so I feel super thankful for that. And I think that that's what allowed me to end up having such a great indoor season. I think if I, if I didn't take that step back, I don't think I would have performed as well in my races. When did you do that? Take the step back. Yeah. Um, probably mid mid fall. Okay. Um, yeah. Before going to Flagstaff, I was just struggling a little bit with changing shoes because my feet have always been very sensitive. And I used to get injured like every single cross country season up until the past few years. And I started to feel a similar way that I used to feel. And I knew that it was just from changing shoes. And I just, I had to get my feet a little bit stronger. And then, and then I changed shoe, changed different new balance shoes and it affected my calves. So I was like, okay, so this shoe makes my feet sore and this shoe makes my calves sore. So what I did was I started like rotating and wearing both the different shoes. And then just like, it took a really long time to figure out like what worked for me uh -huh. as far as shoe goes. And I'm also, I'm not used to doing workouts in flats in college. I did all my workouts in trainers. So that was a different transition as well. And it's something that I really wanted to do. I didn't because it's nice. It's fun, <laughs> you know, a fast. Little, get to go a little bit faster and it just feels better too. Um, so I just think just navigating through all of that. Um, it was definitely like, it was mid fall around mm. the time that I was. Okay. That's interesting that you bring up the shoe thing, because I recently ran in some shoes I'd never run in before. And I was like, what is this like weird feeling on the side of my calf? And I couldn't figure it out. And my husband's like, well, you're wearing those shoes you've never worn before. Duh. It's mm -hmm. just weird how your body responds to different shoes. And I think it's interesting that then you rotated the shoes because then it's just like not all the same on that yeah. same, like whatever the support is or whatever the one little itty bitty thing it was with a specific shoe that was causing your body to respond in that way. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. Different shoes. You use different muscles in different yeah. shoes. So and weird. so if you're using the same shoe all the time, you can just uh -huh. be really fatiguing one specific muscle group. But if you're rotating through, you know, you kind of like your one muscle groups gets to recover while you're using the other one. And you know, it all just works out, but yeah. And I think I definitely did get stronger too, from using those different muscle groups. So uh -huh. I feel like a more strong and durable runner now, but it was just, it was definitely a hard transition. So when you took the step back, you like you joined team new balance, Boston, you're running with like Heather McLean. Well, I guess Ellie's pregnant. So not necessarily running workouts with her. Maybe you are, is she running workouts with you guys? No, <laughs> <laughs> she's know. due any day now. Yeah. Oh, she's due any day. Okay. She's super yeah, close. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Julianne, you have this like really great group of women who are a few years ahead of you. So was it intimidating? Did you feel like, ah, I got to keep up with them. And then you realized, wait a minute, like this is my first season. How did you, did you, did you have a sounding board? Did someone talk to you about this? Like, Hey, it's okay. You don't have to keep up every workout with these ladies. Um, I, I think I kind of just knew that coming in. I don't think I was necessarily intimidated. I was more so really, really excited Aww. to have training partners and to have people who I knew were, you know, a step ahead of me to help me get there. Yeah. So I think it's really important and it makes it really fun too, just to have people to train with every single day. Um, 
and people to chase in workouts and stuff like that. Uh, it was difficult though, just because when I first started with this group, when I first moved here, I think it was in August, um, I started doing workouts with Julianne because everyone else was on their break. Mm. Um, cause it was like end of summer or Heather was racing. Ever, like other people were on a break. Some people were injured. So I was really doing most or all my workouts with Julianne and she was really fit. Mm. She was coming off of an injury. And that's why she was like doing like a late summer, early fall type season. So she was really a perfect training partner for me, except she was, you know, a step ahead of me. And I was trying to keep up with her in workouts. And that's when I realized like, okay, I am keeping up with her, but barely. And I'm really like going to the well, like rigging and workouts. And that's just not what I should have been doing. So mm -hmm. that's when I was like, okay, I'm hurting myself. I think I need to just take a step back and just not push myself too hard because as much as I wanted to stay with her and workouts it, cause it's so much more fun to have someone to work out with too. Yeah. Like, I'd rather just push a little bit harder and keep up with her in this tempo than do it by myself. Uh -huh. But that's really what I needed to be doing. And it, I, it, I saw so much improvement as soon as I took that step back. So. Wow. That takes a lot of self-discipline. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. And at such a early stage in your career too. It's mm -hmm. so smart. Do you feel like you can learn from seeing, you know, what other people maybe have done in the past, like go to the well too soon. And you can learn from like seeing experiences where people get injured or whatever. And you're like, I just want to make sure I'm doing this at the right pace. It's so hard though, because mm -hmm. I think about this in terms of like college athletics too, you know, when you have like a star athlete come on a team and like, they could be doing this, this, and this, but if you're a good coach, you know, that you need to let them like ease in and like, you don't need to try to make them a national champion when they're a sophomore, like let them let that develop their junior or senior mm -hmm. year. Is that hard to do? Because you want to, you want it to explode in like what five years, you know? Yes, exactly. No, I think it is hard because I do want to, I want to make the jump, but I don't want to, I don't think that it's possible to do it that quickly, yeah. as quickly as I would want to, right. you know, it and I think, good, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's really important. Like I would rather, I think it's way more beneficial to ease into like increasing mileage, increasing intensity and all of that. than it is, I think it's way more beneficial in the long run, mm -hmm. because if you try to do it too fast and you get injured, you get set back. It's like, no matter what, if, I would rather undertrain than overtrain because I think fitness stacks. So every season you get a little bit more fit, you don't get injured. That's just that much. You get that much more stronger without having like a setback. So it's like, I would rather have like a, a slow, like gradual upwards trend than like really sharp and then back down and then really sharp and back down, if that makes sense. So that's just kind of where I'm at and like my kind of philosophy for myself in trying to, you know, stay, stay relaxed <laughs> and not get too, too excited and just try to hammer, um, and try to get to that next level, like too quick. What's it like being at these meets though? And like after the meets getting interviewed by the media and whatnot, tell us what your place in the running world was before going pro? Like, were you a huge fan of the sport? Were you always watching these races and that now you're starting to be involved in? No, really? <laughs> Some, yeah. It, <laughs> believe it or not. I, I didn't really follow professional running until about two years ago when I, when I first started getting really interested in, you know, getting better myself at running. So and I started following more professional runners on Instagram and all that. And I think that that's part of what motivated me and made me like realize that, you know, if these girls are so, these women are so incredibly fast. Like if they can do it, like maybe I can too. Yeah. And it motivated me to, to want to try to get to that point. And then I was like, if I get good enough, maybe I can run professionally. Like this seems like the dream job. So that's what it was like only two years ago though. So I feel like I'm still learning a lot about the sport too. 
like a learning a lot of people's names and all that because I didn't grow up like following professional running. So I don't know, you know, a lot of like old older legends and, and stuff like that. So I'm learning though. That's so interesting. It makes me wonder how much social media has played into more women like you going pro because before we had this like in front of our faces all the time. And now, you know, we have really good resources like Sidious Mag is just like a great example of making it accessible for people to, especially fans of the sport to follow the sport. It's like, yeah, like what, where were those seeds planted? And like, would this dream even been planted in your mind? Had you not really seen these people doing it? It, it, for as much as social media can be an annoying, bad thing. That's a really good thing because more, more talent, more people getting Mm -hmm. excited that elevates the competition. Mm -hmm. I think it's great for the sport. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. I think it definitely made a huge difference. I don't know if I would even have thought about wanting to be a professional runner if it were, if it weren't for, you know, Instagram and, and following these amazing women. So This episode of the podcast is supported by Athletic Greens, and I got to tell you, I am hooked on Athletic Greens. I have been hearing about AG1 forever. That is the Athletic Greens product that is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. You just put one scoop in, shake it up with eight ounces of water, start your day with it, get your energy going, and it will have you feeling balanced and supported, both your immune system, your digestive system. It has prebiotics, probiotics to help with your gut health, and it also provides metabolism, energy, and stress support. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my cabinet to get my athletic greens, start my day like that. I love starting the day with a healthy habit, putting this nutrient-dense product into my body. I'm telling you, you gotta try it. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five travel packs. You're gonna want those travel packs. It helps because you feel like, oh, I'm starting the day the same way I do at home, even when I'm on the go. And plus, when you're traveling, you might not get the nutrient-dense meals that you get at home. So it's that extra security blanket there as well. Like, you know you're getting those 75 vitamins and minerals in when you take your AG1 in the morning. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and you will get that free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay. So tell us then about your college experience. I know you got second in state in high school and, uh, you went, you had, you went to two universities though. What was the deal with that, with transferring and, um, what was your college experience like, and how did you get to the point where you were like, Oh, I could do this. Like I see these women doing it on social media. I I could follow their footsteps. Like I could go pro too. Yeah. So, um, I, committed to Oregon State University my junior year of high school. And then my senior year, I was iron deficient and I didn't know it. So I had a really, really tough go (laughs) my senior year, pretty much the whole year. I wasn't running well and I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't find out until late spring from my college coach. who's like, you should get your iron checked. Mm -hmm. And it was like eight. So like, well, it was just gradually decreasing the entire year. Uh Um, and that's what was going on with that. So I, it took a while for me to come back from that. And then I also, I had this random toe injury on, it was like a micro tears in the flexor plate, which is basically the start of a hammer toe. Mm. So it's like the, the part that connects your toe to your foot was like ripping. Mm-hmm. And it was ex- extremely painful and like, I couldn't run on it. So mm-hmm. that was my like nagging injury that I had like late summer and then into the fall at Oregon state university. So that made that transition really hard because I wasn't running with the team. Uh, I felt like I was missing out on a lot of like team activities, team bonding. Uh, I had really good relationships with other freshmen there. 
I mean, actually the whole team, but I just, I just felt like I was missing out. You know, I felt like, um, just sad that I wasn't running obviously, and really frustrated because I kept trying to jump into it too soon before it was fully healed. So I was like, I just feel like it was just a horrible cycle of feeling better running and then it hurting again. And it was, I, I was like, I got so frustrated to a point where I was like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm done. Um, and I also, I wasn't happy. I was homesick too. Mm. And I was like, you know, ultimately I just want to go to a school where I'm going to be happy, even if I'm not running. So for me, that meant transferring back home to Binghamton to be with near my family. So yeah, I think it was a really, really hard decision to make because I was so excited to be going I <laughs> to a Pac-12 school. You know, that's like an Oregon. It's like every runner's, you know, yeah. it's like the running Mecca of the West Coast. I think Boston's the running Mecca of the East Coast, uh-huh. by the way, just saying. <laughs> yeah, <represent. laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but so I just like, it was the idea of going there. I think that was so, um, you know, attractive to me. And I don't think that I fully thought through if I would truly be happy there or not. Mm. When I made my decision, it was, I just wasn't mature. And I just didn't think all of the, I didn't think as practically as I would now. So, (laughs) you know, with going to Boston, instead of moving across the country to run professionally, I like, I would, I think that what's best for me is to stay a little bit closer to home because I do have really close relationship with my family and my friends here. So it's just, um, not that I'm not open to making new friends, but (laughs) yeah, the older I get and the older my own kids get, I'm like, man, that is really young to be like, I'm going to move across the country, you know? And Mm -hmm. I mean, some people move to different countries and, you know, do all these wild things. And it's, it is such a young age to do that. And I imagine it's a lot harder than most kids expect it would be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think some kids go into college thinking like, I want to be a professional runner or whatever, or they want the accolades of being at a big 10 school or whatever it is. And your path to getting to where you are is a little bit different from that. And you, you had Mm -hmm. great success in college, but you weren't like, I'm running for Stanford or whatever the big school, Colorado, CU that all the the people really talk about wanting Mm -hmm. to go to, because it's like big names. So I'm just curious now looking back on that experience, what you might have to say to someone who's going to maybe a smaller school or isn't, you know, running for CU or college like that. You can clearly have success coming out of lots of different programs. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just the most important thing is to go somewhere where you feel like you'll be happy as a whole, not just in running, but in life in general. And also I think there is a benefit to going to a smaller school. I think you get a little bit more attention from your coach. Whereas if you go to a big school, you have all these amazing runners on the team, which is great. You have a lot of training partners, people to push you in practice and all of that, but you might get swept under the rug just a little bit. If you're not, you know, one of the top runners immediately um, going into that program. So I think a lot of the focus is often on the top runners. And so going to a smaller school, I had a smaller team and I also like being like, you know, top five on the team right off the bat, I was, you know, receiving that attention and, um, from my coach and individualized training and just all the resources and everything that I needed to improve as a runner. Tell us about more about the school. How do I say it? Binghamton? <laughs> Binghamton. Binghamton. Cause I, I had never heard of it until I started researching you. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's people call it the public Ivy. It's <laughs> it's a really good school. Okay. Um, it's I don't I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. It's well, like academically. It? Um it's like a medium-sized school. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not that so, small. No, it's not that small. Um, it's smaller. It's not, yeah. you Is know, like D2? <laughs> D2. Is it D2? No, it's D1. It's D1. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like it's oh. in the America East conference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, academically it was honestly a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be too. So Oregon was more athletic or OSU was more athletics focused than academic focused, at least like for the athletes, we didn't put a whole lot of um, emphasis on the academics there. So transferring to Binghamton, it was almost the opposite. 
there's more emphasis on uh, academics. And I think, I don't know if I would have gotten into that school if it weren't for, you know, being on the running. team and yeah. my coach. Yeah. Um, and it took me a really long time to, you know, learn how to study. And, and I mean, I wasn't getting horrible grades, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was definitely a difficult transition from, it felt like OSU felt like high school all over again. Yeah. And then Binghamton was like, okay, this is college. (laughs) This is hard. And you majored in psychology. I did. Yeah. And you got your MBA. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I did the first year of a two-year MBA. Unfortunately, I didn't get to finish it. Um, they don't offer the classes online, which is really disappointing because otherwise I would be finishing it up right now. Um, but I couldn't, you know, um, not take this opportunity be there. Yeah. 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 Right. Like Like, I can't, Mm -hmm. so I can't physically be there and I couldn't give up the opportunity to start running professionally. So I hope to finish it at some point, either transfer my credits to another school and finish it online or just finish it up in the future sometime. So, yeah, I was going to say, will that year hold, like you don't, you won't have to redo it. I might, I might. So right now I'm paying like a lot of money per semester to keep my credits and stay Uh, enrolled in the school. And I think I'm just going to cut it off because I don't, I don't know when I'm going to Right. Like and I don't want to keep paying for classes like school that I'm not doing, you know. So Yeah, yeah. Like this is and a long I, this is a long-term thing here that you're doing right now. <laughs> mhm. And it's hard to transfer master credits. So a lot of schools won't take transfer credits for master programs, which is I mean, I get it cuz it's a lot more specialized than like undergrad you're taking all the same like core classes. Um so those are easy, easily transferred, but the masters aren't Well, you talked about like wanting a life outside of running and you certainly like, you're so young, you don't have to have any grand planned right now. You're like starting your brand new professional career. It's so exciting. But what do you like to do outside of running? And like, if, if the, you know, if everything were to be pulled out from underneath you, like, what do you think you would be interested in doing? Hmm. Probably a lot, just a lot of outdoorsy type stuff. Yeah. I love like going on adventures, hiking, um, anything active, honestly, which is a hard passion to have on top of running because I can't do those things. You can't, yeah, you can't Um, risk getting injured. Exactly. So uh, it's tough because like I love water skiing, for Mm -hmm. example, and I still do it um, over the summer. Yeah. But it's, I have to be really careful with it. Like I don't do any of the crazy stuff I used to do back in high school. Um, because I actually hurt my back doing it a few years ago. Um, like hyperextended and it, I think I like had a bone bruise or something cause mm. it lingered for months. Um, and I just like, I can't risk something like that no. happening. So I just go, I go really careful whenever I water ski. Um, and I think I would love to s- learn how to snowboard. I think that would be so much fun, but it's something that I can't take up right now. I don't think. Yeah. But, that's hard. And if I were to get injured, I don't think that that's something I would um, start to pursue during that right. because I might not be able to, or right. I might injure myself further. But um, if I were to get injured, I would probably, I think I would start painting or something. I do love to paint and it's something that I don't do very often. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily super good at it, but I think it's very relaxing and very fun. I'm so curious. I love talking to people who just have a love for the outdoors and, you know, Mm -hmm. selfishly, like I'm raising my own kids and I love to hear people talk about like what their parents did to nurture that love? Or was that just something that you naturally were led to? Um, probably naturally. I grew up going to Cuca Lake every summer. My grandparents would rent a cottage for a week every summer. And I've been going there since, you know, before I was born. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So my mom's been going there her whole life. So Cuca Lake is really special to my family and my grandparents, um, gosh, like 10 years ago now bought a cottage on Cuca Lake. So now we get to go whenever we want, which yeah. is really fun. Um, and they live there full time now too. So we get to go all time, all seasons of the year. 
Um, it's really pretty there in the winter and fall as well. So I feel really lucky to have that. And I think that growing up, going to Cuca Lake every summer has made me just love being near the water, especially. Um, and my grandpa and my dad taught me how to fish. So I really love fishing too. Um, this is something I grew up doing is like even um, before or like we would go to the lake, Cuca Lake every year for a week. And then we would also go to Ithaca and my grandpa had a boat. So we would go do day trips in Ithaca on Seneca Lake or not Ithaca, Watkins Glen. And we would go fishing out on the boat. Mm. So just doing stuff like that, I, I always really enjoy just any time I get to spend outside. So, and fishing is nice because it's not a super active. So it's something relaxing I can do on top of running. Did you guys eat the fish that you caught or do you just throw them back? Um, I mostly throw them back, but when I was younger, we used to cook up some bullhead that we would catch on at Cuca Lake. Oh, you're but. making me want to teach my kids how to fish, even though I don't fish. It's just, <laughs> it's so peaceful. The other day I was going, we have this like just little lake by our house, like tiny little thing that I run mm -hmm. around. And, um, I saw this kid that looked to be like, I don't know, he was probably like 12 and he just walking down there with his fishing rod and sat down all by himself and fished. And I was like, what a peaceful, serene, beautiful thing for a kid that age, especially in 2023 to go mm -hmm. be doing, I'm like, that, what, what did his parents do? Right. Give me an interview with them because this is <laughs> awesome that he's loving to go do this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I hope to raise my kids, you know, to, to want to spend time in nature, yeah, <laughs> you know, to and be not, outside and yeah. just be okay with being alone outside and not having mm -hmm. to constantly be like engaged in something. It's, I mean, mm -hmm. even as adults, that's hard. Yeah. And even not fishing, just being by the water to me is relaxing. Like I could just lay there, you know, all day if I, if I could. So I think fish are just beautiful as well. Yeah, I have this like weird, like, I guess it's not weird fascination with fish. Really? So, yeah. They're just such cool creatures. And I also love going to aquariums and stuff. That's <laughs> yeah. So if you have to choose beach or mountain, would you, you're, are you going to choose beach? That's such a tough one. I know. Probably beach. Yeah. Probably beach. Just because I love water so much. Yeah. But I also really do love the mountains. But that's not something I grew up doing. Mm. I never was really exposed to mountains until the past few years. Um, my my boyfriend um, and I, we went to the Adirondacks with his mm. parents during COVID because there was not much else to do. So we went hiking and I hiked a few of the high peaks um, in the Adirondacks. And that was just such an amazing experience, especially like not growing up hiking. Uh -huh. like, this is amazing. It's so That's cool. awesome. So it's hard to choose, but <laughs> yeah. What is your boyfriend's story? Does he live in Boston too? Yep. He moved here with me. He okay. also went to Binghamton university Okay, and that's how we met. He was on the cross country and track and field at Binghamton as well. Okay. So. And is he still running? Yes, he does. Yeah. Okay. What is he like trying to run pro or what is, or does he run pro? And I just don't know. <laughs> no, no, he's, um, he took a break from running and he's getting back into it now okay. and he's looking to PR in the 5k. Okay. So do a 5k road race here is probably soon. Yeah. So does he do any of your training runs with you? Mm -hmm, which is really nice. It's nice to have someone to run with when I'm not training with the team. Like if I go home for a weekend, him and I will do our runs together. And, um, way back <laughs> during COVID, he would do workouts with me. Yeah. Right. When I was like, um, trying to like find my footing in, in running and, and get and improve. It was during COVID and he was like such an amazing, um, help in that he would pace me in workouts and it was just really awesome to have him helping me out. Yeah. I mean, at your level of running, if you don't, if your significant other isn't also a very good runner, even if they are male, like they're not going to be able to keep up with you. So that's pretty <laughs> cool that he can hang with yeah. you for those things. 
yeah some <laughs> he, he he could <laughs> um now it's like he's he's getting fit again he okay. took a break from running he's yeah. he took a break but for a while there yeah we, we weren't able to do workouts together <laughs> so he's like wow I never <laughs> thought the day would come that I couldn't keep up with you <laughs> I love it well let's talk about that then because you recently broke 430 not just broke 430 but you ran 426 in the mile that's a big deal how did that feel Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was, <laughs> I did it at the New Balance Grand Prix. Um, and it was really nice because that was also the first time my family came to visit me in Boston. And so they got to, you know, see my apartment, see, you know, my life here, come watch me race and break 430 for the first time. It was just a really special weekend. Um, and yeah, I, I knew I could, was ready to break 430 and I was really happy to, to break it by four seconds. Yeah. That's <laughs> a I, lot. Like, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I knew I was like, I knew I was like fit and ready to go, but I didn't know that I was ready to do that. So it was really cool. Um, and also I was the fun fact, I was the 100th woman to break 430. Oh, what a cool number there. Such a cool number. And it's funny because I feel like I actually manifested that because I think it was like last spring. No, the spring before. So <laughs> over a year, like a year and a half ago, I remember watching some of those. Um, I think, is it trials of miles? Uh-huh. Like the, the, yeah, they would do the mile race on outdoor track. Uh-huh. And I remember watching all these women break four thirty. I was like, Oh, like I want to do that so bad. And they were in the nineties right at that time. Okay. Like, oh, like number 94. That's uh-huh. so cool. How cool would it be if I was the 100th woman to do it? Yes. And then, I was. And then you were a year and, and a half it, later. It just happened to be. <laughs> I know it was pretty cool. Where do you find that stat? Like where, do, you know what I mean? Like where did it roll up and you're like, um, Oh, I was a hundred, not 99 or 101. Yeah. I think there's a website. I think it's called like bring back the mile or something oh, like yeah, that. I heard, I and that's that. where they have the list of all of the women who have broken 430 and men who have broken four. So, and then also, have you heard of the, um, oh, it's called fast forest. Okay. I haven't. Oh my goodness. So it's what is it? this project that they're doing where they're planting a tree. Oh yes. Uh, ben yeah. Blankenship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, I think they're calling it the fast forest. What's okay. the project called itself? It's, ugh, I don't remember. I don't know, but I was just looking at it because <laughs> I just had, I think it was Erica Vila on the show that I think I was like researching his Instagram and he had a picture because he had a tree. Yeah. So um, cool. You keep I was talking so about excited it. I'll look it up. That. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting, <laughs> you're getting your tree. Yeah. It's I earned called- my tree. Here it is. I have a tree in Eugene, Oregon named after me founded in 2022 by Olympian and world record holder, three-time us champion, Ben Blankenship, who, by the way, friends, he's been on the podcast, go listen to it. Um, it is called endless mileage is a mm-hmm. nonprofit dedicated to fostering sustainable environments and programming that inspire the next generation of track and field athletes to break barriers. How cool that he's like pairing up these two things that he's really passionate about. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Super cool. So you get your tree. I do. I earned a tree. <laughs> so what I'm is like, it? Men have to break four. Women have to break four thirty to get the tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That's yeah. so what a cool idea. Shout out to you, Ben Blankenship, endless mileage project. Okay. So are you going to come run the Sir Walter mile this summer? <laughs> do you know what that I is? I hope so. I do. I do. I think <laughs> I actually, that's in, um, North Carolina. It's, it's where right? I live. Yeah. It's in Raleigh. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. That, I think that was the meet is where, when is it in the fall? No, it's August. It's like August. Early August. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the meet that I was watching. Okay. Where oh, where was everybody like, was oh. breaking. Everyone it? was yeah. breaking 430. Yeah. Yeah. They usually have a really stellar group of athletes that come run it. And it's a, I've only been mm-hmm. once because we moved here summer of 2021 and like a week later was the mile. And so I was like, I got to go to this. And then the next year we were out of town, but 
Um, yeah, it's like super cool. They put the lights on it's late at night and yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a great community environment too. Like the athletes stay with host families and it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's cool. It makes me like Raleigh even more than I already do. (laughs) (laughs) That's So yeah. So, okay. What's next? You, you did your little down week. You're starting workouts again. What do you have your sights set on? Um, I'm not quite sure <laughs> what, <laughs> um, spring races I'll be doing. I don't really know <laughs> what that looks like in the professional world yet. Yeah, so I'm just learning. kind of figuring it out as I go, but I think I'll run the BAA mile. Um, that's early April. Okay. Yeah. Early April. It's like a few days or two days before the Boston the marathon. marathon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say, I think that's yeah. the marathon weekend. Oh, that'll mm-hmm. be fun. Yeah, it will be. I didn't think I was going to be in town for it. I thought we would be in Flagstaff. So uh-huh. I'm excited to be here for the marathon weekend because that's something I've never experienced yet. So, yeah, I feel like if you're on team Boston, like New Balance Boston, like you got to be in town for the weekend. Like I, no, I exactly. it just seems like so iconic. And then to be able to participate in the weekend through running the mile, like what a cool experience. Do you, think most members of your team will be able to do it with you? Mm -hmm. I think so. I think that's the plan. Fine. Okay. So Flagstaff, you had your first altitude stint recently. Mm -hmm. How was that experience? It was great. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I noticed (laughs) the difference, like going up hills and also trying to have conversations while running. That's when I noticed it the most. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a little bit more out of breath than usual. But other than that, I feel like it, it wasn't as crazy different as I thought it was going to be. Um, also, I guess, apart from doing um, workouts at altitude is a whole nother level of hurt that I have never experienced before. <laughs> so that was crazy. But easy runs, I didn't notice it as much. But between reps doing an indoor track workout at NAU. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so hard. I didn't even know I could breathe that hard. Mm. It was kind of scary. I was like, yeah. I feel like I'm hyperventilating right now. Like I physically cannot breathe hard enough <laughs> to get enough air. So, oh my goodness. But I'm definitely thankful that we trained there because I don't know if I would have been able to do as well at indoor USAs mm. in Albuquerque because mm-hmm. that is altitude if I didn't train in Flagstaff. So, and I think, yeah, I think it's really beneficial. So yeah. Albuquerque, what was that like racing at altitude? Could you tell a big difference or was it just like the whole field was a little bit slower? So you were all kind of on that level. I think so. Um, I felt a little bit, I think it did affect me a little bit and like not having that like extra bit, you know, um, at the end, but other than that, like, I didn't notice it too much throughout the race, but afterwards, Oh my goodness. I, (laughs) I have never been so gassed after a race before. (laughs) Like it took everything in me to get up off that track afterwards. Oh my goodness. I like, couldn't see straight, couldn't walk, (laughs) couldn't walk in a straight line. I was like, I had a headache for a few hours after man, it was but I did it. It's weird that you notice it more afterwards. Yeah. So. And I feel like that's a common thing that I've heard from other people too. It's like, it just hits you afterwards. A quick break to let you know about Prevenex. This is where I get all of my vitamins and supplements and they are clinically effective, proven to help with longevity, performance, and everyday health. They have a wonderful protein powder. They're Neurify Plus chocolate and vanilla. We use it every day in my house. I use it. My kids use it. We make smoothies with it. It is delicious and it is packed with nutrients. I take their multivitamins and their joint health plus supplement every day. If you have achy joints and you're looking to protect your joints, go check it out. They have a money back guarantee. If you do not see a difference in 90 days, you will get your money back. They believe in their products. I believe in their products. They also have vitamins for your kids that my kids take and they have a give back model. So they donate a bottle of children's vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every purchase that you make. So it's just a great company with high quality ingredients that work. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your first order. And when you support 
a sponsor of this podcast. You are also supporting this podcast and the work that I do and the people that work behind the show. So for that, I thank you. And you'll get really good products as well. So that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. So how are you managing expectations, race nerves, like all the things that are going into like, okay, I'm standing on a starting line now with a brand sponsor on my, on my sports bra or whatever. And I feel like I need to deliver. I'm also competing with people who've been doing this for a while. Like, how are you overcoming this? Like newbie thing? Like you gotta, you gotta start, right. You gotta start somewhere. How are you feeling about it? Um, it's definitely nerve wracking. It's a different kind of nerve wracking than collegiate running. I think, um, especially my last year, I was more focused on just running fast times last indoor. It's like, I was just trying to run the times that I needed to run to get noticed by Mm. professional groups. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just felt every race felt like a time trial. So the nerves were like coming from, okay, this is going to hurt really bad. But it was also like excitement. Like every race I was like, I think I can PR like this is, it was so exciting to try to run PR after PR all season. And now it's like, I'm still obviously trying to run fast times, but I'm also trying to place as something that I wasn't so focused on my senior year, obviously at nationals. Yeah. But throughout the season, I was like, okay, I'm in a field of pros for the first time ever as a collegiate runner. I'm just trying to hang off the back and, and PR, you know? So it's definitely nerve wracking, like being like, trying to like, ultimately you're trying to win every race. Yeah. You know, at least put yourself in it. Obviously you're not going to win every race. I'm not going to win every race, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's like, I think it's, it's just like a different mindset, like mentally, just not like not only trying to run fast time, but just trying to compete. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's more nerve wracking. Um, I think like the tactics, it's, like who's going to move when, and should I speed exactly. up now? Should I wait? Exactly. So, and it's, it's still new to me. So I feel like I, I'm just like taking all the experience I can get. Um, and, and every experience, every opportunity I have, I really value it because I think that, um, I've just learned a lot like the past couple of years with championship races. So I don't have like four plus years of championship racing experience. I only have like one and a half to yeah. two. So I just feel like I have a little bit of catching up to do there. Well, and I imagine it's a lot of learning just like for yourself, like what kind of racer am I like where I excel the most? but also learning more about your competitors and the field Mm -hmm. and the way different races run. Like, do these go out fast? And that education piece on that, it's gotta be, it's kind of like a little puzzle you got to put together and you just learn a little bit more every year. Exactly. I think every experience is extremely valuable. And I think I have learned so much these last two years. So I'm just excited to keep, you know, putting myself in it and, and putting myself in every race and just, navigating it and figuring it out as I go. What would you say the biggest things that you have learned the past couple of years or your first year pro have been? I think it's probably to trust myself more. Mm. Um, and just trust that even though like everyone's super fit, everyone's capable is like just remembering that. So am I, and I belong here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's like the biggest thing I've learned is just to like stay confident in myself and, and know that like, I have run the times. I know I can compete with these women. I I just need to put myself in it and not be afraid to get up, get up front and put myself in a position going into the last lap. So that's awesome. That's gotta be, that's huge. That is like, if you're going to learn any lesson, that's a great one to walk (laughs) away with after your first year. So when you transferred to Binghamton, tell us about that process in your life, because you had those injury issues and and you're Mm -hmm. homesick. I imagine you get back to Binghamton and you're like, what's going on in my life, but you want to run. So what was that like for you? Um, to me, it felt like a fresh start. 
at that point I had taken a few months off from running just to make sure I was fully healed. And I just wanted to start over clean slate, new coach, um, and then just build from there. Um, it was a little bit difficult. Um, I was lacking motivation a little bit to start off just, I was feeling defeated and I didn't know if I could ever be as good as I was in high school again. And so mentally I kind of just put up like almost like as a coping mechanism, I was like not putting too much emphasis on running. I was like, I'm going to run, but I'm not going to be all in. Um, I'm going to run, but I'm also going to like focus on my life outside of running and which was great, but I almost like used that as an excuse and, and, and I wasn't putting as much into running as looking back, like, I wish I had put more into it earlier on. I think I could have, um, you know, just like jump started my fitness a little bit faster than I did. Um, but I think everything happens for a reason. So, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily change it, um, mm -hmm. looking back, but, um, I really used COVID as an opportunity to slowly, try to increase my mileage because a big mental block that I had was every cross country season, I would get injured. And I just was thinking, I'm not a high mileage runner. I can't run mm -hmm. high mileage. I will get injured. And so I tried to just let go of that mindset and think maybe I'm just not doing it the right way. So I tried out new shoes. I focused on the little things like nutrition for the first time ever, which I think played a huge role in just staying healthy and not getting injured and also just stretching and rolling and doing core and strength work, just doing all the little things that I should have really been doing earlier on. Um, and then I gradually increased my mileage and during COVID it was a perfect time to do it because I wasn't racing. Um, no one was racing. So, um, I'm really like almost in a way thankful, like obviously COVID was just a horrible time for yeah. so many people, but I think that i benefited so much from that that time just gave me the opportunity to really focus on running and and go all in because there was nothing else to do yeah so, um and that's really when I would kind of just jump started my fitness and and got to that next level and I was like holy crap like I didn't know I was really capable of this like I didn't know how much of a difference increasing mileage and just getting stronger aerobically how much of a difference that would make made a huge difference. Um, and from there I was like, I just want to see how good I can get. And if I'm going to stay a fifth and sixth year at Binghamton, I, I have to be all in. So, so you said you were unmotivated because you weren't, you know, you were like, will I ever get to be as fast as I was in high school, which is probably a pretty hard feeling to, to sit with. You know, like are my best days are my fastest days behind me, but it sounds like you were really self-motivated, like you were unmotivated, but then once you decided to increase your mileage and do all these things, mm -hmm. this was like a lot of self-motivation. This had to come from yeah. you. Like how did, did you have coach guidance? I know you had a coach at your mm -hmm. college, but you were doing a lot of this because you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Not because someone um, was telling you, you needed to do all these things. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did have guidance from my coach. Um, she's an amazing coach. Um, I who credit a coach? lot of my, who is, who is the coach? Annette Acuff. Okay. Yeah. I credit a lot of my collegiate, I mean, all of my <laughs> collegiate success to her. Awesome. I think she was just exactly what I needed. You know, the best coach that I could have had. So awesome. super thankful for her. Um, and she definitely guided me early on, you know, she talked to me about nutrition. She talked to me about, you know, goals and, and all of that. Um, and it, it was all, but she didn't, she was a little hands-off and that she was like, people will like my athletes will do what they want regardless. Kind yeah. of like she, she didn't like force things on us uh -huh. and she's kind of like, if they want to, they will. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so she, she, um, just waited, for, you know, for, she waits for people to, to want it for themselves because ultimately if you don't want it for yourself, like you, you need to want it for yourself. Otherwise yeah. it's, it's not going to be as successful. So I just kind of like, and I don't know like exactly what happened mentally where I just, it was kind of like a switch. I was just like, you know what? Like 
I, what am I doing? Like, I need to start putting my all into everything I do. What am I waiting for? You know, academically and athletically, I was like, just kind of going through the motions. And one day I was like, I want to see how good I can be. I want to see how good of grades I can get. And I want to see how fast I can be. And that, that like personal, like transformation, a lot of that happened during COVID Mm -hmm. where I just like buckled down and started focusing on myself and, and, and just being the best version of myself that I could be. So I always wrap up with end of podcast questions and I'd like to know, and you know, the, the world is your oyster. You have so much, so much life to live and so many things to do, but right now, what is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Ooh, um, I would really like to race internationally. Mm. So I'm hoping to do a diamond league race or two, um, this summer, I think it would be a lot of fun and really good experience. So I'm hoping that I can get into a couple of those races. You will. (laughs) (laughs) What are your, what does your family think of all this? Um, they're really excited for me. I think that a lot of people don't quite like fully understand what it means to be a professional runner. Mm -hmm. And I mean, truly, I guess I didn't either. (laughs) And like, I'm, I'm still figuring it out myself. Like when people ask me, I still have a hard time explaining it. Um, (laughs) but yeah, they're really excited and super supportive. So I'm thankful for that. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, are you a reader? What's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, I have not been reading as much as I would like to lately, but I have read a lot of really good Sherry LaPena books. Oh, I love her books. Oh, you know, Sherry LaPena. Uh-huh. Yay. You're like the first person really? I've told this to that actually knows Sherry LaPena. Yeah. She is such an amazing author. I love their thriller books. Yeah. Thrillers. People who don't know. They're um, not too scary because I can't do really scary, no, but they're like, they're they not. do keep you on the edge of your seat. Like murder mystery type, uh-huh. like who's, who's who, like they're not who they who you think they are type uh-huh. books like you never they're page turners oh my goodness so I have one from the library right now in my closet I can't remember which one it is though um that I haven't started because I'm reading some other books but yeah. like a stranger in the house the couple next yeah. door mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah. all they're all they keep you they keep you going like you oh, don't yeah. want to put it down Mm-hmm. And I think that one of them is called someone we know that one's yeah. really good too. Yes. Uh, I love all of her books. There's one that she released, I think just last year that I haven't read yet. So definitely need to get on that. I know I <laughs> want to, now I want to tell you what the one in the closet, the library one I have, I'll email it to you. Um, okay. I think I've read like four of her books. Yeah. yeah. I went on like a kick where I was reading a bunch of them. Me too. Yeah. Because they're, they're so good. I'm yeah. like, I might as well just stick with these books. Cause I love them. <laughs> they're easy to read. Yeah. Um, so Laura, is it Davy? Something like that. I don't know. There's another one that I, I keep wanting her to be as good as those books and they're just, they're just not as good. Have you read any Colleen Hoover? Oh yeah. <laughs> you have. Yeah. Okay. I haven't yet. And I, I think I need to. Because yeah. <laughs> at, at first I was like wondering if it was just like a TikTok trend, uh-huh. but I've asked a few people and everyone is like, it's for a reason. Like they're really good books. So yeah. I mean, some of them are like, they're like really racy and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. Like, is anybody seeing what I'm reading? But they're, they're just like easy, easy, easy to yeah. read. Okay. Good to know. I'm going to try to read one of those soon. Yeah, you should read one. Um, I'll try to think of my favorite of hers to suggest to get started with. Verity is weird though. It's a, it's really weird. I don't know. That's probably my least favorite of, of them all, but okay. I think I've read like four of her books. One of them's like the most popular. Is it called the end of the end of us? The end of us. Is that like her most popular yeah, I one? I feel like there's a show coming. I feel like they're like doing a a show on it even actually then I should definitely read it you should watch the show for sure okay I'll read that one (laughs) yeah what what shows are you watching are you finding with your like newfound life as a professional runner that you like you know got to catch up on shows so that you can put your feet up and relax (laughs) yeah Yeah, actually I've um (laughs) definitely been watching a little bit more tv now because I have more time yeah um not being in 
college anymore, which is yeah. so weird. I, I kind of miss it sometimes too. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. I, I love learning. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I have been trying to read like more psychology books. Yeah. You can, and that's, why you can I been, that's why I haven't been reading as much just because it's not as fun. Yeah, yeah. So I think I need to just like bite the bullet and just start reading my thrillers again. But yeah. um, I've been watching, um, what's it called? The, the, the zombie one. What's it called? <laughs> oh, I don't watch it, but uh, the last of us, the, the last of us. Thank yeah. you. Was yeah. drawing a blank there. So good. Is it's it? such a good show. Yeah. I really, I recommend. My husband watched it, but I, I stay away. I like, I just gotta, I don't want to watch anything scary right before bed. Yeah. And that's fair. I like to, <laughs> whenever I watch something scary, I always have to put on like the office or something. Yeah. Right and just before. watch a funny, like 20 minute episode uh-huh. to wind down <laughs> yes. and get my mind off of it. Cause I'm not trying to have nightmares. <laughs> I mean, even Outer Banks, I've been watching Outer Banks before bed and I'll like sometimes wake up jumpy because it's a little bit of a thriller and I'm like, you know, so I need, I need that Seinfeld padding or like (laughs) office, you know, um, all right. Who's someone fun, motivating or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with, Mm. (laughs) um, someone fun and in. I guess, yeah, inspiring is probably Kim Kardashian. Oh, fun. Okay. (laughs) I feel like she is such a brilliant businesswoman. I would really love to like pick her brain on a few things. I think she's really smart and she also seems like a lot of fun. So yeah, I would definitely like to get, have a cocktail with her. I love that answer. I wonder, I'm so curious what people's response to that, because I feel like so many people have like a love hate relationship. Like she's, you know, um, I heard her on who was, I think it was like Kristen Bell interviewed her, like the side podcast of armchair expert where it's with Kristen and Monica. And they asked her some question though, about having like all white furniture and how does she do that with kids? And I'm like, what do you mean? How does she do that with kids? If she needs to buy a new couch, she just buys a new couch. Like this is not a legit question for Kim Kardashian (laughs) and she's not cleaning her own couches. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) She probably hires someone who knows all the tips and tricks for every different kind of stain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, she's not like scrubbing the stain out herself. Mm -mm. Um, okay. What is your last message to leave with our audience? Hmm. Probably focus on yourself first um, and take care of yourself first. And that sounds, might sound a little bit selfish, but I don't think it is. Like you could still be kind, caring, um, and, you know, like a good person and, and help um, be there for others. But I think that it's really important to nurture yourself and take care of, meet your own needs mm-hmm. first. Because ultimately, I think that that's how you end up, you know, the most successful and the happiest in life. And that's how you put yourself in a position where you are able to give back and you're able to help help others out. So, so true. I've been thinking about that. Speaking from experience. <laughs> it's true. It's been true. thinking about that a lot lately. So, and I'm seeing both sides of what you're saying, like why you feel like you have to put that asterisk there because, you, you know, you do feel like that. You're like, well, does that sound selfish? But it doesn't because you can't do those things if you don't do that right. first. It's it's not selfish. It's not because you you can't you help other people until you've helped yourself and you and you're in a position to help others. So yeah. So good. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, everybody, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Emily, for coming on the podcast. You all can follow Emily. She is Emily underscore Mac, M-A-C-7 on Instagram. You can find me. I'm LindsayHine626. You can follow me on Twitter at LindsayHine. And if you want to connect with us, go to SandyBoyProductions.com to learn more about all the shows in our network. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. And we will see you next week.